So I asked the tech team not to put the words of the passage on the screen. And even more strange, I'm going to ask you not to open your Bible yet um, to this passage. And I have nothing against those things, but I have, at Ruth Ann's urging, internalized this passage. And so I would encourage you to hear it, feel it, watch it, however else that works for you. And then after that, obviously, feel free to open your Bible. In fact, I would encourage that and follow along there. This is Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14. Paul says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts and that you, being rooted in love, may grasp together with all God's holy people how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ, this love that surpasses understanding, and that you may be filled to all the fullness of the measure of God. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him, so sorry, through his work, that is his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. There are pastors who do that every week. I can give you their names and you can go to their church. I'm definitely not doing that every week. But you notice that this kind of a passage in particular, this one made sense to me because this, this passage has all kinds of passion and feeling and, and, and depth and breadth to it. And I am going to try and explain it. But it's really, it is a prayer. It's something that we need to take inside. In fact, my conviction is that not only should I internalize Scripture, we should internalize Scripture. And if you want, I can lead you ahead on a couple of passages we'll be doing, and you can join me. We can do this kind of thing together. The next uh, prayer we're going to do, by the way, is the Lord's Prayer. So chances are a few of you have that one inside already. Maybe we can do that one together um, as a group. Now, for the message... Um, I have a question for you, but that already raises a problem because you don't like raising your hands. And if I need to ask you a question and nobody raises their hand, I still don't know what the answer is. So let's start here. Raise your hand if you're willing to raise your hand. Okay, never mind. Then I'll make up my own mind. We do need to get over that somehow, by the way. I don't know what the solution is, but if I can't interact with you, that makes my job really actually rather hard. All right, prayer is imagining what love can do. I think that's what this passage is about, and I want to take you into this passage to understand that. So this series that we're doing is going to be exploring biblical prayers. So every passage that we do in this once-a-month once sermon series will be an actual prayer from the Bible. There are lots of them. Um, and I'm picking and choosing from them, and we'll be talking about them and leaning into them but with that, of course, um, 
every sermon in my mind is always about how do we take what we've learned and put it into practice. And so, of course, we are also going to put before you all kinds of prayer practices. And some of these may become regular events. Someone already asked if tonight's potluck and prayer would be a regular thing. We hope so. If people really want to do that, we'd be glad to lead that. And some of them might just be experiments, things we try, things that we try together, and then you carry on on your own, things like that. And so prayer practices are going to, of course, flow out of our understanding. What is this thing called prayer in the Bible, and how does that work? And I'm guessing that just that phrase, I think the first question I have in the small group questions this week is, how do you feel about another sermon series on prayer? Right? Prayer, it's not the sexiest topic we have in going, right? There's a lot tougher conversations. There's a lot more challenging things that people would think about. And yet, as unexciting as the word prayer is, because you've probably heard it somewhere between 8 and 20 million times, the concept, the reality of prayer, what prayer really is all about is something magnificently spectacular. And that's why I start with this passage. It brings that out. Hopefully, we feel that by the time we're done. Can you try that with me today? Try and feel this sermon and this passage, even more importantly, more than analyzing it. I know that's a huge stretch. We're not wired that way, but humor me and try that as we go. So we start with a prayer posture, because Paul's talking, Paul's talking theology. Read the beginning of, of um, Ephesians. He's doing some pretty heavy stuff in chapter 1, then he goes into this whole thing about reconciliation, because Paul, as a trained Jew, a Pharisee, knew one thing for sure. His people and his religion were right, and everybody else, Gentiles, us, are wrong. And then... God grabs his attention, grabs him by the scruff of the neck and says, you're coming with me, and guess what? You're going to be my messenger to those people you thought you were just supposed to leave on the outside. And he is overwhelmed and thrilled by this, right? And he's just talked about that. And so that's the reason now, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And I'm guessing you already know that kneeling is certainly a prayer posture, and you also know, of course, that kneeling is a posture of submission, right? We kneel before God. We kneel in his presence because when you're down here, you're the low guy on the, uh, on the list, and the person in front of you is the person of power. This whole passage, you'll note, is about power. And we're kneeling. And there's this funny dynamic because I think... And I experience that we're really attracted to having power, all of us. And we all prefer to be in the power position as opposed to the kneeling position. But the fundamental thing of following Jesus and God is kneeling and saying, how about we do this your way? Yes, Lord, whatever you say, I'm on it, okay? Now those words we get, but living that way and surrendering ourselves that way. I, I read a, uh, an article this week. I think it's Peter Sherman in Christian Courier. They deserve some press. Um, and he writes how we have now become the arbiters of truth for our own lives. So each one of us has the power in this context to decide. And most of us live this way. We decide what's true, right? So your process of assessing what I'm saying here is, well, do I like that? Do I think that's true? 
I am personally de deciding, because there's so many things coming at me out there, I am personally deciding what truth is. And Christianity is about saying, no, no, I'm going to kneel before the Father and ask him to show his truth to me. And then I'm not solving anything here, I'm just naming it, that that is a really tough world to be living in where we have a God of authority who we kneel before and a culture of individualism where we are our own authority and we're going to have a lot of fun trying to figure out how to do that. All right, that's prayer posture. He carries on praying in a world context. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And chances are you're thinking, what exactly does that mean? And by the way, whenever you see that I left the footnote in, that means I'm going to tell you what the footnote says, because it helps. Father is pater, family is patria. Pater, patria. Your family names, and that happens for many of us, comes from your father's side. And so Paul is just saying, in this context of where he's talking about Jew and Gentile, his people and other people being called into a relationship of love and unity together, he says, the one I'm kneeling before is the one who's actually gathered every family with whatever kind of name they have. They're all God's children, right? They're all God's family. That's who I'm talking about here first. And then he carries on into the heavenly community. I pray that you may be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart. So look at what's happening here. Right? Paul's saying, I kneel before the Father, before Father God, and he says just before this, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. So God's got this, this treasure chest up there. He's got all the stuff, right? It's his world. And I pray that through his spirit in your inner being, so that by God himself coming inside of you, then Christ also may dwell inside of you. So God of all these riches who's got the whole world in his hands is going, I want to be inside of you. Never mind all the riches up there. I'm going to put myself, my power, my truth, God and Jesus and his spirit inside of you, right? That's the cool whole Trinity thing coming together there. First application, pray in such a way that God comes inside and you experience him being deeply present to you. That ought to keep us busy for a while, right? Pray till you experience God coming and living inside you. Not just as an idea, because we know that he lives in us. The kids will tell you that straight out of kids in ministry, right? But how do we know that fully and deeply? Hold that thought. And then we're also praying in expectation. Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Now, I've got to confess a journey that I've been on. And I mean, all my life kind of journey. So when I started in ministry, I was trained theologically and, and doctrine and truth and orthodoxy. Um, that was my litmus test. Is this the right thing to say? I remember a guy coming back to us while I was in seminary, coming back from somewhere else. He had been a pastor for a while, and, and he sort of expressed in a fun way that when he was preaching, he had Professor so-and-so in his mind thinking, any one of these days, the lights are going to go on. He's going to pull me over and say, can I see your preaching license, sir? I'm not sure that was absolutely the right thing to say there. And we were trained to be scared that we would say something wrong. 
I can tell you by now that I've said lots of things wrong. Some of this stuff is very complicated, right? And then about five or so years into my ministry, reading the Gospels and Acts, I came to this understanding of power. Wait a minute. Why is it that we do this thing, church, with this book, the Bible, and it has the Gospels and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts in there, and we're not seeing that stuff? And so I went on a very long journey of leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, colleagues of mine and I, we went on a journey called trying to figure out how to work and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was a beautiful journey and a powerful journey. We experienced many, many beautiful and powerful things. And I still think that's true. I think both of those things are still true. But at this stage, I'm asking again, what is this power? What is this power? And I'm going to answer it in just a minute. Maybe you can guess ahead of time what it is. Prayer hydro. So we're going to talk about this power. And I want to talk about it as prayer hydro because the greatest source of electricity in this area, I think, is Niagara Falls. Right? If it isn't, then all that big show over there seems to be not to scale. Right? So we spend a lot of energy, ironically, getting hydro, and we call it hydro because hydro means what? Anyone? Water, right? We have water electricity, which is always a funny thing because you shouldn't mix water and electricity. That hurts as far as I understand. Don't worry, I'm not going to say much about electricity because I know actually very little about it, right? I'm going to use it as an analogy. So the source of our, our power in the electrical world is that amazing waterfalls over there, and you can go now into one of the old power things and go down and see how these turbines work and see this huge tunnel that if you were in there when they were running water through it, it would wash you away and all this kind of stuff, right? There's, there's this amazing, obvious power source over there. And one of the things we actually know about that thing is it's really dangerous, right? That it's so powerful that you don't want it to touch you. You don't want to get in it, right? It's that power source. Our power source is being strengthened with power through God's spirit in our inner being. Think about what that's saying. It's saying God himself, by the Holy Spirit, lives in you. I know that theologically, if you've been in church, you've heard that so many times, it might not even hit you. God himself lives inside of you. That's just crazy talk, isn't it? If you really think about it, that God, the creator of the universe, could somehow, first we got Jesus, come down and be a baby and dwell there in all his fullness. We had theological arguments. People probably died over the argument whether or not God could fully be present in Jesus, the human being. And no wonder that doesn't make sense that we can understand. It's way bigger than Niagara Falls. The Holy Spirit, God himself, lives inside of you, and Christ dwells in your heart, right? That's what we're praying about. That's what prayer is about. In this interlude, when did we start talking about love? Did anyone hear the word love so far in any of the words that were spoken so far? And here he says, and I pray that you obviously being rooted and established in love. What were we rooted and established in? We were rooted and established in having the spirit in our inner being and having Christ dwelling in our hearts, and now we're rooted in love. Ah, remember last week and the week before and quite a few times before that when I said the heart of the power of the gospel is love. 
God is love. Jesus exemplified love. And the first fruit of the Spirit, the overriding fruit of the Spirit, if you will, the over all these things put on love, right? And so when you have Christ living in you, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, what you actually experience, the power, the hydro that goes on is love. So now that you've been rooted and established in love, now that God has poured his love deeply inside of you, let's carry on. What's the purpose of that power? You may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, this is starting to look like a circle, right? Because God's saying, I want to pour my love into you, and I want to pour my love into you so that you understand what love is. It's a love circle. I'm going to make, I'm going to love you. I want you to experience love. And the more you experience love, you're going to understand how amazing love is, right? That's the core. Again, not surprising stuff. And then the conduit of his power, because when Paul talks about how this is all going to work out, the thing the power goes through is his power that is at work within us. So for God, to fill this world with his love requires that we are attached to the power source. We're plugged in to God, if you will. That's what pra prayer is. And that plugged into God prayer love experience that we're having gets poured out into our world. Mentally, it's reasonably simple. God loves you so that you can go love everybody else. Why did Paul use so many words? Why did he say this so often? Seems like every passage. Because this is a complicated task. And dare I say, this is a scary task. Because at the end of the sermon, okay, right now, this isn't the end, but I'm going to do this now, just in case you're getting itchy. I'm going to invite you at the end of the service to come forward for prayer. And I know that if this is hard, this is even harder, right? But if we're going to grow in our experience of the love of God, we have to go where he is and kneel before him, right? So what you're doing as you're coming forward, you don't have to literally kneel if you come forward for prayer, but you're spiritually kneeling. You're saying, I'm scared and I don't want to, but I sense, I hope you do, that God is calling me to grow in my ability to be loved by him, experience his love, and to love other people. And so I'm going to go kneel before him. I'm going to go submit to what he's calling me to do. I'm going to go be in his presence and let his work be at work, his power be at work in me. Can you imagine what this would feel like? To know God's love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's that crazy language again. God is saying, I want to so fill you with my love that you experience this kind of a measuring cup. The measuring cup is God, and you experience all of that fullness inside of you. I don't, my mind's blown. I have no idea how to give you an illustration of that. This is way bigger than Niagara Falls, right? This is God saying, I'm going to pour my fullness into you. And he says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine. I did not need to memorize that this time. That line has been in my head for years. Because of course, we can't possibly imagine what is immeasurably more than what we can imagine. See what I'm saying there? The, the words don't allow for that. That's not an option. There is so much of what God wants to do in powerful love in us that it's beyond even our ability to imagine, to think about, to grasp, right? And this is what has led me to believe that it's not about do we have all the truths figured out because we don't have this figured out. We're not supposed to have this figured out. It's immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. But what it calls us to do is kneel again, to submit again, to offer ourselves again and say, God, help me to just be in that love. Help me to experience that love at work inside of me. Right? And let's be honest, we are not, as a collective community, particularly fond of experiencing emotional things, right? So this is going to be challenging no matter how you slice it. We want to analyze whether this is a true truth. But God says, sure, have at it. But more than that, will you let me love you so that you are overcome, overwhelmed by my healing, by my passion, by my restoration, by my presence, by my love. And here's the vision we need to catch. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. What if when somebody said church, the image they got was not a building like this, not even a bunch of people sitting around like this, but what they saw was, oh, those are the people who just keep loving me and overwhelming me with their presence and their ability to be there, right? What if when people saw us, they said, God is amazing. God is amazing. That's the, the goal. Now, having grown up in this system, I think I'm aware, test me if I'm wrong, on what a sermon like this does to us. How many of you are feeling guilty? I know you're not going to raise your hand. How many of you are feeling guilty? Right? You feel guilty because you don't dare raise your hand. You feel guilty because I'm telling you you got to come forward for, for prayer. You're feeling guilty because you know you're not experiencing this at the level that I'm talking about. So here's the good news. One, God knew that long before I started preaching. Two, he knows that and he loves you. He knows that, he knows you fully, and he loves you. Right? So, I can't stop you from feeling whatever you're going to feel in response to this, but hear this. God is not calling you to all that he has in store for you to make you feel bad about the fact that you're not there yet. He's calling you simply because he does love you and he wants you to have that all. So imagine you love somebody deeply and you finally get up the nerve to say, you know what, I really love you. And the person says, oh, oh no, you can't love me. I, I'm, I'm not worthy. And, and you, you, wouldn't you be hurt by the fact that they wouldn't just say, oh, thank you. Even if, you know, whatever the reciprocal is, th that's amazing. Thank you. Right? 
God wants to overwhelm whatever fears and guilt and whatever else we're dealing with, with his love. It's immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. It's there. And he invites you just to take whichever step you need to take right now to get a little closer to that, right? Because one of the things that guilt tells us is this. We're not done yet, right? So own that. We're not done yet. That's why we confess every week. We're not done yet. So if there's immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and we're not done yet, let's just take the next step in that direction, folks. That's what he's calling us to, to the praise and glory of his name. And then that all-important ending of a prayer, amen. You know that doesn't mean we're done, right? When Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying, amen, amen, I say to you, or amen, amen, I say to you, right? It means, so be it. Let's make this so. This is the way it should be. I'm in whatever else you want to see in there, right? That's how he ends this prayer, because Paul is pumped about the opportunity that we have as his people. So let me be practical, because I know you like me to be practical. Come forward after the service. I can't think of any reason why a Christian human being would not ask another Christian human being to pray for them, right? That should be breathing for us. I know it's scary, all those things. I'm just telling you, it's also natural, normal. Gather this evening. If you're available this evening, bring some food, gather for the prayer and potluck, right? Another opportunity to stretch your experience of prayer with others. Um, it's, it's, a, it's actually a wonderful low-key entrance kind of a thing. I know it doesn't help when I say that because you don't know what my low-key entrance level is, but come anyways, all right? It's a good opportunity to gather for prayer. And then, of course, continue in prayer. I know you pray. I know you have a prayer life, right? There is immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, so let's keep digging into what else that might be, right? Do it in your small groups. Do it as a family. Do it as an individual. And all of those things, whatever you're doing, right? Don't go, good, I checked off the boxes. Pastor Eric said, do those three things. I've now done them. That's nice. Not your job to do what I tell you to do. Do it seeking expectantly to know God love in an overwhelming and peaceful way. Does that make sense? To know God love, God is love and God's love and God, in an overwhelming, right? So you're connected to Niagara Falls, power's coming down the line, you stick your fingers in, got it? Not peaceful. Right? Don't do that, by the way. Let's that's, that's, be really clear about that. But you're plugged into God, and he's pouring out his love to you, and you tap into that, you might actually start shaking. Okay? I promise you that if God's love is coursing through your veins such that you are having a physical, ecstatic kind of an experience, you'll also feel peace. How can I promise that? God is good, and he is love, and I've seen it many times. Right? So you have a challenge. A group of people who have a hard time putting their hands in the air in answer to the question of their pastor are now being called to experience God's fullness in such a way that it might actually shake your body in a way that you haven't experienced before. Can we at least say, yeah, we do have some room to grow. There is some stuff we can do here. Prayer might be something we can do a little more with. God bless us on that journey as we go. Amen. Jesus, as your people, we do love you and we do experience your love and we, we know the truth of your love. And we pray that you would find a way to help us take our next step 
and coming closer to you, experiencing you a little more and knowing a little more of all that you have in store for us. Give us the boldness, we pray, to step out in faith. Empower us as you have promised. In Jesus' name we pray, we pray. amen.